Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. We are proud to share a recording of a live presentation for the LDN Research Trust Conference 2019. We hope you enjoy it. All right. If I can keep it straight. All right. Thanks a lot, everyone. Good to see everyone. A lot of friendly faces and familiar faces. Uh, I'm going to uh, talk about um, immune therapy for chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Lyme, a whole gambit of these chronic illnesses, and we'll see that many illnesses have this in, in common. And it's interesting, you know, uh, Dr. Corey um, Tichauer yesterday actually said something very profound. You kind of have two you know, schools of thought that hate each other. One, you got the um, Infectious Disease Society of America, you know, saying chronic Lyme is just basically post-Lyme syndrome. There's nothing left. It's just the body attacking itself. Um, and the other side, you got ILAD saying these are chronic infection. Well, who's right? And it's likely, with a, like a lot of things, it's somewhere in the middle. And it's kind of we have so many infections. When you when you do tests on these on these patients, they turn out positive for so many things. You know, co-infection, viruses, and it's kind of like we have tons of infections that the body basically suppresses. But as soon as the immune system gets too low, it comes back out. It's kind of, let's say, you get chickenpox. I'm over the chickenpox. Immune system drops, what happens? You get shingles, so it keeps reactivating. So, and I think if you look at it that way, because we, we went from, and I won't give the whole history of myself, but I, I got into this because I got chronic fatigue syndrome, going through medical school, opened up 22 centers, um, then stressful divorce, hit with Lyme, bed-bound, couldn't function for years, went into heart failure, and I was on... Four and a half years of the highest dose antibiotics that I would never give a patient, like seven at a time, you know, rotating, huge doses, would stop, would all come back. So I'm like, what's going on? So I kind of went around the world walking very slowly but, um, and, and, and looked for all these new therapies. And I kinda found peptides in Belgium and started using those and started bringing those back. And then I was walking through an A4M and saw Taylor made. They have these peptides here in America. I'm like, damn. You know, so it turned out to be a very core part of, uh, of, of a practice that is life-changing. And if you look at, you know, basic things that change practice, T3, and learning how to really treat the thyroid, you know, LDN, very safe immune modulators, uh, mostly all the immune modulators, but really peptides, stem cells, saved my life. And um, I don't think I'd be functional without them. So I'm going to show how you can add those to, to LDN and get even that more immune modulatory effect. Um, so disclosure, a chief medical officer of integrated peptides. We currently sell BPC-157 in supplement form, um, which is a good place to start with peptides. Because I give a lot of peptide lectures, and everyone just gets overwhelmed because there are so many peptides that work so well. And we'll talk about, you know, gut-brain access and 
Um, and those things have helped modulate, lowers inflammation. We have a lot in the pipeline we're excited about, uh, new therapies coming out. Um, so goals and objectives, to understand the multi-system nature and vicious cycle of Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, ME, for you guys in Canada. Um, understand that immune dysfunction, we're finding that this TH1, TH2 shift probably is, is the key to treating this condition. And we, we, we can actually take and we do a big panel, especially looking at the immune system, but other things like coagulation markers and other things, we can pick out a chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, Lyme patient on blood work without talking to the patient, knowing their symptoms, probably 70% of the time and how severe it is. So it's, you know, all these doctors just say, oh, I don't believe it's an illness, but okay, look at all these abnormals or patients will say, well, what if you don't find anything? Well, it hasn't happened yet. But if you just keep doing CBCs and chem panels, you're not gonna find anything. Uh, and failure to address these, these immune abnormalities are common causes of diagnostic and treatment failure. So treatments that address these immune abnormalities, we've heard a lot of great talks um, over, over the last uh, day and a half and some more to come. Again, LDN is, is great. It's a go-to. Pretty much everyone gets it in our practice. Uh, peptide therapies, and I'll, I'll mention a little bit about umbilical cord um, a stem cell therapies because they work so well together. And there's a lot of them, and I'll mention a lot. And you're, I'm sure you're using a number of these in, the, in your practice, but you may not know that they're immune modulating. That's how they're working. And when we usually see these illnesses, they have very much an underlying condition. And usually in the backdrop, like people are usually affected and in, uh, infected for long periods of time and they don't know. And what it does, the longer that they, they are sick, so what, what the Lyme does, especially let's take Lyme as an example, but it works for a lot of things. So you get a tick bite, but we're finding, I think most, most of it is transferred in utero. You've got fleas, ticks, mosquitoes, bed bugs. Sexual transmission, you know, is found in 100% of vaginal fluid and 50% of seminal fluid. And it suppresses that Th1. So you have Th1 that gets stuff inside the cell. Th2 immunity gets stuff outside the cell. Very oversimplification, but it works to help you understand it. And so the Lyme will suppress Th1, so it lowers your intracellular immunity. Then it goes inside the cell. Now you have chronic Lyme. But your body now starts trying to kill this thing with TH2, so all this inflammation. So anything you can do actually to modulate that and raise that TH1, you can give antibiotics till the cows come home. But antibiotics never kill everything. If you don't have an intracellular immune system that's working very well, like you have the, let's say the infection's up here, you knock it down, knock it down, it's never gonna get there. But if your immune system's up here and they're balanced, you're going to have a good chance of killing that. But I think Lyme is like, you know, these viruses. I don't think you ever get rid of them. You know, so do I say I'm cured? No. I, I still have to do, you know, immune modulators and make sure to check my immune system and make sure it's, uh, um, it's okay because I, I got to do a lot of other things. I got to try to eat better. I got to start exercising one of these years. But, um, but I, actually, I exercise religiously every four months for 12 minutes, so. <laughs> um, 
But stress plays an important part, and I'll show you a slide on um, what stress does to your immunity. It's not immunosuppressant, it's immune modulator. Um, and oftentimes it's set off with, with a significant event that happens, and all of a sudden, this is where it kind of got into, oh, it's just crazy, women, they're just stressed out. Well, yeah, that's, that's part of it. But if someone just says Lyme, they're probably going to be fine. Uh, it's if you get these, all these other things, mold, stress, of course, um, you know, other viruses, and then everything becomes a vicious cycle. They get mitochondrial dysfunction, pituitary dysfunction, all their hormones are low, um, sleep problems, um, detox problems, coagulation problems. So you've got to really look at it in a multi-system way. And what you want to do when you see these patients is do treat symptoms uh, quickly. You need, you know, we figure you've got two or three visits to make this patient feel better while you're addressing the underlying condition or you're going to lose that patient, you know. And they're going to go to their doctor, oh, that's quackery and, and that. So you've got to you know, tell the doctors really part of your job is to convince the patients that they're in the right place. So here's kind of a, a basically a, this diagram of the multi-system where you see the triggering event. There's certainly genetic predisposition, you know, even women over men, um, causes immune dysfunction. So then that causes a lot of low-level autoimmunity. And when I give the, the talk on Hashimoto's, I'm going to look at it a little differently and, uh, and show all the abnormalities that occur with Hashi that are unique such as antibodies to mitochondria uh, and other things, uh, then once you get mitochondrial dysfunction, and that, there's a lot of unifying theories of aging that have to do with mitochondria. The body just can't keep making enough energy. And what needs a lot of energy? Brain, immune system, and all these things just falling apart. Gut. So a uh, big thing is, is, you know, with the gut has got a lot of... Um, attention and at first I'm like, oh, it's just kind of the next, next fad. But it, it's pretty amazing in how the gut-brain access it goes both ways. If you get traumatic brain injury uh, and all of a sudden they will open up your blood-brain barrier, it also inflames the gut and opens up the, uh, the, the, the basically gut uh, permeability. So now all these big proteins get through, causes further inflammation. Oh, geez, okay. Um, yeah, better go. So again, Th1 mainly addresses the intracellular, and then the Th2, and once you have that, you have chronic. Here's a slide. I'm leaving that in. It took me two hours to make, so enjoy it. Um, uh, here, here's just a couple studies uh, showing that chronic fatigue syndrome is a Th1 to Th2 uh, illness. Um, you know, differentiating these things, sometimes it doesn't matter. Um, was like chronic fatigue syndrome describes the symptoms, fibromyalgia is the signs, and Lyme is one of the you know, causes. When we say Lyme disease, it's a big catch-all. There's a number of different infections. Um, antibiotics as sole therapy, rarely successful, need multi-system treatment. So we'll talk mostly about immune dysfunction. We'll usually break it down into different um, steps to keep it reasonable. Algorithms we use to help doctors. Um, again, most patients, when, once they get the stage 3 Lyme, they get diagnosed. They come in with, you know, 27 diagnoses, and they're like, okay, your doctor doesn't believe you have Lyme or chronic, that you have, you know, 27 separate, unrelated illnesses. Okay, what's, what's more likely? 
Um, so again, but you look at this immune dysfunction, this Th1, Th2 conversion, you see it with a lot of things. Autoimmune disease, migraines, depression, bipolar, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, chronic uh, uh, heart failure, OCD, a lot of you know, anxiety. Uh, one study showed a third of people presenting to a hospital with schizophrenia tested positive for Lyme. On the test, that misses about 80% of people. PCOS, and we saw uh, you know, studies on endometriosis and, and those things. Um, so longer duration, generally the worse. Co-infections make it worse. Here's even just showing HIV, your ratio of TH1, TH2 is going to show how fast you progress to AIDS. And it kind of shows that if you can knock, you know, keep the immune system high, you're going to live a normal life with HIV now, essentially. Um, so novel immune modulators. Um, again, so here's stress. Uh, looking at uh, one study on stress, it doesn't suppress the immune system. It causes, again, lowers Th1, raises Th2. So in general, stress has been regarded as immunosuppressive. Recent evidence, however, indicates that acute, subacute, or chronic stress uh, suppresses cellular immunity and boosts humor, uh, uh, humoral immunity. And then a major factor governing the outcome of infectious disease is selection of Th1 versus Th2 prominent. Um, and the result, it, uh, then you get mast cell activation and all these things. And a lot of doctors that are, we're seeing a lot of this, very difficult patients to treat, and they're going after the mast cells. We say go upstream, and you'll have a much better um, outcome. So immune modulating therapies increase, they, they increase Th1, lower Th2, boost NK cell function. And uh, uh, Corey Tircher uh, talked about a couple of those, those tests. Uh, peptides, where a lot of peptides work for immune modulating. We, we had brought out BPC because it's, people say, where do I start? This is a supplement, uh, works on the gut, uh, and it works systemically. Stem cells are great. You know, heparin is actually a great treatment, and you'll find works IVIG, ozone, CBD. We just talked about allergy elimination, antivirals. So, so many things work as immune modulators. So here's a, a small study. There's not a lot on LDN and chronic fatigue syndrome and, and fibromyalgia. Uh, Twelve patients, primary outcome, overall symptoms. Uh, LDN reduced, reduced the fibromyalgia symptoms by 30%. And then another study, a little larger study, uh, basically the same thing. They found pretty much similar re reduction in symptoms by 30%. Hey, that's a great treatment, you know. And so if you have 10 of these treatments, you know, you're going to get a significant improvement. And Horowitz says in his study, this is open label, 75% uh, of his patients got better with it. So people will get asked, yeah, what, what the heck are peptides? Well, they're, they, they regulate most every known process and system in the body tissue at the cellular level. Where hormones are more broad, peptides are more specific. Um, they improve modulate specific parts of the hormone production, immune function, sleep cycle, inflammatory mediators, DNA replication, cell division, cancer cell destruction, apoptosis, libido, sexual arousal, lead muscle, metabolic activities, brain, gut, reproductive, 
extremely safe. Some studies give 1,000 times the dose. They've not been able to come up with lethal doses on most of these um, uh, peptides, you know, giving them to rats. They just never reach it. And so a lot are coming online. Uh, Immune-modulating peptides, again, there's, there's certainly don't have time to go through all these. Um, but people say, well, where do I start? Um, sleep peptides, you add epitalium, which is probably the most anti-aging peptide that everyone should be on. It's like everyone, I think everyone should be on LDN, everyone should be on BPC. Um, you had epitalian and delta sleep, and some people it's magic. Also increases telomeres, brain peptides, C-Max, C-Link, uh, they're synergistic. Uh, I mean, caught myself at a party giving people sniffs of C-Max. I felt like I was back in college, but, um, and people are like, God, I think I, I'm clear, I think clearer. With antimicrobial peptides, LL37, more effective than tinidazole at cysts, killing the cysts of Lyme, uh, pain, BPC. Um, so body protection compound is BPC. Unique ability of significant rejuvenating throughout the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, one of the best thing for, for leaky gut, Crohn's but it also is shown to absorb systemically. So it's shown to work for traumatic brain injury, uh, MS, um, modulate pain. And they found that equivalent dosing orally, interperitoneal, and IV um, for systemic illnesses, more effective than Zantac. If you have GERD, just open up the capsules, put it in water, and drink it. Uh, prevents autoimmune, great for autoimmune diseases. Promotes wound healing. More uh, helps for depression. Proves heart failure. Um, urinary incontinence. Syner it's synergistic with, um, with with all these like LDN and other things. This is a doctor that just walked up to our booth that we we're at Elizabeth Tringali. She's like, it makes everything else work better. But I think really using multiple immune modulators is the key. Prevents against toxins, so mold toxins, alcohol. Um, it helps a hangover for any of you. Um, prevent and reverse mitochondrial damage. Effective for traumatic brain injury, Parkinson's. Um, prevents AFib. We've given it to people with AFib and reversed it. Uh, it was outperformed uh, acyclovir for treatment of herpes virus at one one thousandth the dose. Um, and it's interesting, it's kind of a, uh, brings everything back into homeostasis. If you're hypercoagulable, it brings it down. If you can't coagulate, it brings it up. If you're hypertensive, uh, it brings it down. If you have a problem with POTS, it brings it up. Uh, this is the one on, they did a study with um, uh, inflammatory bowel disease and MS. They gave it orally, showed it worked in both models. This was an animal study. Uh, and the quote from the authors, its ability to be orally administered is particularly noteworthy as there are currently no similar options for inflammatory bowel disease, multiple sclerosis, and other neurodegenerative diseases. And this is another peptide, thymosin alpha-1. You see boosting natural killer cell. So just Stem cells, immune, they are immune modulators. Stem cells do not go to that area and grow. They actually secrete um, uh, 
peptides, growth factors, and how they're shown to really do it from afar. You can separate the peptides from the illness, and they'll work just as well as getting them in the area in a lot of studies. They secrete exosomes, which are little lipid packets that are delivered, that know where to go, go through the body, they can cross the blood-brain barrier, attach, and dump their contents right in the cells. Here's just one on type 2 diabetes, um, showing dramatic re reduction in need of insulin, and uh, these are insulin-dependent. Um, so just exosomes, kind of, again, little packets that work from afar. They have mitochondrial DNA, so they can rescue DNA. Um, and I'm going to show you again on the, in the Hashi talk, like how mitochondria are screwed up in these patients. Uh, the peptides actually Im dramatically improve the outcome of stem cells. So if anyone's doing stem cells, we add a number of the peptides to it and we see a very synergistic effect. So uh, we went from kind of the high-dose antibiotics, trying to help uh, these patients and found it just long-term success wasn't there. Uh, really, immune modulators. We'll use some antibiotics, but so remember these illnesses and a lot of illnesses that are sickness uh, is uh, you know, basically immune oriented. You look at all the stuff we're eating and all these studies on the you know gut brain uh, and how the gut influences inflammation. Uh, so a key component, if you you know, really want to. Um, uh, show the patient on paper that they have this, and uh, which is nice because they usually have been everywhere. And then you show them, look, what's wrong? Like, oh my gosh! So, and you can follow it. So, LDN, it's a go-to treatment. It just we almost just hand it to the patient when they when they come in. Um, and then some peptide there's and bilocord. cord. So, uh, many therapies that work synergistically. But um, uh, think I'm out of time. So, uh, thank you. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.